1: Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, welcome to a brand new edition of Between the Links on MMAfighting.com. My name is Mike Heck. I am the host, maybe curator would be the better term. As we are back with some new topics and a fresh matchup this week, because if you listen to the debut show on last week, the champion called his shot and we are making it happen on BTL. So let us introduce the combatants first. Our challenger, he is familiar with the concept because He's been a part of it before in earlier iterations. He is undefeated as well. From MMAfighting.com, Damon Martin. Damon, how are you, sir?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Good to be back and uh, ready to defend my crown. I don't like that challenger title. It doesn't sound right to me.
1: Well, I mean, this is the new iteration, so you you can become the champion after this week, but you have to first defeat the reigning defending champ coming off his decision win over Alex Kaylee, Lee, the man who laid down the gauntlet. He's back from Las Vegas after covering UFC 250. Jose Youngs, how are you, sir?
0: Well, it wasn't a decision. Like, it was a beatdown. It was the, cul- as Robbie Lawler would say, it was the culmination of a beatdown. I get you gave him the pity 10-9 somewhere in the middle, but let's be honest. It was 10-8 across the board. In terms of me and AK Lee like give him one give him the middle round it's like just to save face so you don't have someone like just run gauntlet on someone I've seen around the horn ESPN everyone you always get that random like hey you don't have a point here's one so you don't go out with zero <laughs> points but just call it for what it is and I did call out Damon not because I am 100% confident I can beat him but uh two undefeated people you want to challenge yourself against the best? I would rather not have another easy day, so I don't want to rematch AK Lee. I would rather go up against someone who can give me a challenge, and that is Damon Martin. Wow,
1: what an introduction that was. <laughs> the, the, the big battle yeah. right now is not Jose versus Damon, but there's a fly that snuck into Command Center 2.0. That's <laughs> uh,
0: that's uh, that, That's actually AK Lee just stay
1: right. for what it is. A.K., okay, get out of here. Go back to Canada. But let's get right into this thing. Of course, the big stories in MMA have nothing to do with events or fighter versus fighter. It's fighter versus the UFC. And last week, we started off the show discussing Jon Jones and his battle with the UFC and Dana White. And now we've heard from Jorge Masvidal. He's putting his cards on the table with the UFC and Dana White, asking for his release if he can't get what he wants. We're going to get more into... Things with those two gentlemen in a moment. But on Saturday night, Conor McGregor, the biggest star in the sport, he took to Twitter after UFC 250 and announced his retirement for the third time. Immediately, guys, this was met with eye rolls by most people, but questions from others. Like for me, I thought, is this related at all to what's going on with Jones and Mazdal? Who really knows? We got Dana's take. Conor gave his take to ESPN. But it was just so abrupt that we haven't really had a a chance to really – digest it all so damon let me start with you you won the blind draw how did you react to connor retiring and secondly what is he trying to accomplish here
2: well my initial reaction was not again uh because we've been here before it wasn't the first time this is actually the third time connor has retired so that was my initial reaction after that i thought well here's more of the money problems you know john jones the money problem Jorge Masvidal has a money problem. Henry Stahudo had a money problem. Maybe this is Connor. He came out and later said that no, it wasn't a money thing as much as it was an issue of competition, which I don't know. It seems kind of bizarre. I mean, it feels like there's plenty of guys who have called for Connor and wanted to fight him, but apparently not. He's not interested in anybody. Maybe Connor just felt like he was out of the conversation because everybody else was talking about John and Jorge. I don't know, but I don't believe Connor's done. Uh, I think this is uh, you know this is more negotiating tactics. Maybe it's not for more money. Maybe it is just for the opponent he really wants or an opponent he he hopes to get. But I think we will definitely see Connor McGregor back. Uh, but I think he was out of the conversation, and Connor doesn't like being out of the conversation.
1: Jose, what do you think? Do you think it's more of Connor just wanting that shine back upon him with everything else going on, or is there something well, more to
0: this? I think it's that it's 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 definitely that plays a factor. I mean, I know you remember remember the 2007 World Series. There were like two outs to go, and you remember when a, that was like Alistair Regis decided that was the perfect time to announce he was opting out of his contract, and like baseball fans are like, really, dude? Like two outs in the season in the World Series and this is what you're you're pulling right now. It's it's that. Uh, UFC 250 was the was the, and like when did he announce it? Like right at the end of the card. Like took all the all the shine away from the fighters and put it on himself. Uh, I'm not calling him selfish. It was a calculated move. Like Dana White's about to be up there. The the eyes are on the UFC. Connor McGregor is the most famous fighter that's ever lived. So, of course, he's going to take advantage of the opportunity for to, to do, public, quote, public negotiations. Uh, I'm with Damon. I don't think he's gone whatsoever. Uh, I think this is... A uh, combination of contract, uh, a lack of opponent that he wants, which is so bizarre to me because he had the opportunity to fight Justin gage in January or even before that. And he chose Don Cerrone. Uh, Justin Gaethje got the interim title fight. And now he's complaining that he's not fighting Justin when he had the opportunity to do so uh, already. Um, it's also, I think, a little bit plays a factor. I don't know if enough people are talking about it, is if Conor fought in the summer or even in the fall, it's not going to be in front of anyone. And that's a lot of money that the UFC would be leaving on the table if there's no gate for Conor McGregor fight. Also, Conor's entrances are so important. Like they play, it's like the mystique about him. Like him walking out in the sea of fans with the with the fog machine, and everything. The lack of fans is definitely going to play a factor. And if that's that's why when Dana was like, "Well, if he wants to retire, like go ahead, this and that." Like part of me is like, "Well, thank God because now I don't have to book him in an empty arena." Like Connor can come back when fans are allowed. So I think it's a little bit of a combination of of all of that. Like, but again, I'm with Damon. Connor's not Connor's not retiring. This is the third time he's pulled this and it's it's not stuck yet.
1: Jose, since you were in Vegas, I want to follow up because you were part of both Dana White scrums. He was on mm-hmm. fire in both of those, but the Saturday scrum after 250 he was on like a whole nother level. Like we've seen him fired up before, but he was just on a, a different level on Saturday night. And Dana was like, you talked about, he, he I guess he was indifferent, sort of chalked it up to, well, the world is crazy. If he doesn't want to fight, he doesn't have to. And you know how I feel about people saying they want to retire. Is he deep down? Like, like you said, do do you really feel like he's, Oh, now we don't have to worry about a gate or is he like, I, I can't believe this is happening. This is crazy. This is the last thing we need right now.
0: Well, I don't know if if the thought of this is the last thing we need right now has ever crossed Dana White's mind. Uh, Dana White has seen his like I don't even I'm not even gonna try to comprehend what goes through that man's mind. Uh, he himself said like in the thing is like, take like there's so many issues that go into holding an event. Now multiply that by a million, and that's where we're at right now. Like, I think Dana's is like, I have bigger things to worry about right now than another Conor McGregor retirement. Like, yeah, he would be quote losing the biggest star he's ever had, but I think Dana's with us. Like, all right, you've done this before, and you came back, so maybe it's one less thing to worry about trying to find Conor a fight, or maybe he can talk to. I don't know. I, I I have no idea. Again, I'm not going to try and comprehend what goes through Dana White's mind. Uh, but Dana White has also done. A phenomenal job and when I say phenomenal like I don't like it but he's done this thing he's, he, we've all seen it where someone will ask a question and then Dana will just dance around it with like agitatedness like someone's like as well said that we're only getting 18% and then Dana just completely ignores it and just goes on this tangent Or I was like Hey, Amanda Nunes said that she thought she had the coronavirus. And before I could even get the question out, he was like, everyone thinks they have the coronavirus. Then he goes (laughs) on this tangent. So uh, Dana White is doing a real good job of being like, you're asking an important question and then he's shaking some keys over here that you all of a sudden you have to look at the keys and you just completely forget the question at hand. So uh, I'm not even going to like, I'm not surprised at Dana White's answer. That's what, if that was the question.
1: Damien, what do you think? Is is he a, a richer, more powerful man rolling his eyes like myself when Conor retired or deep down was he, was he freaking out a little bit?
2: No, I don't think Dana was freaking out at, at all because, again, we've been here before. Conor has said, I'm retiring before. Thanks for the cheese. See you later. And then whatever it was, two weeks later, he booked a fight. Uh, you know, Connor. Connor's not stupid. Connor knows exactly what he's doing. Connor does everything very calculated. I mean, Connor. anytime Connor puts something out on Twitter, it's for a purpose. Uh, and that's what this was. It was done with a purpose of doing it right at the end of an event. A, as Jose said, right at the tail end of the main event, you know, knowing that there's going to be a post-fight press conference and Dana's going to be talking and everyone's going to be asking him questions. This was all calculated. So I think Dana, you know, has come to realize that with Connor. And I think he's kind of come to understand how Connor works. and you know Connor Connor isn't like John Jones where John Jones is going on Twitter and yes, John Jones at one point said you can release me or you yeah, know maybe I just won't fight again. but I don't think anyone even took that that serious, not that John couldn't do it, but he was just being angry and, and John has continued to be angry these past <laughs> few days. but Connor, his trigger for some reason is to say I'm retiring. I don't know why. I don't know why that's his trigger. But he just keeps saying, I'm retiring. But after the third time, I think we've all kind of learned, you know, he's the boy who cried wolf. Um, And I don't think anyone believes it. So I don't think Dana's sweating it. I think Dana is just coming to realize that he's got a lot of people, as he said on Saturday night, gunning for him. Uh, It doesn't look good in the public eye, that's for sure. But I think Connor retiring and then coming out later and saying it's because of the competition is probably better for Dana. Because at least then he doesn't have to answer 18% of the revenue being paid to the fighters, Uh, he doesn't have to answer, you know, John Jones saying they've been ripping me off for my entire career. So I think in a weird way, he actually prefers what Connor did.
1: That's a great point, now that you think of it. Uh, Very close round, but the point is going to go to the champ as we move to our next topic. We basically have the the same answer
0: too, just rephrase (laughs) Just
1: different ways of looking at it, but I think Jose's key analogy, I think, put it over the top for me. But uh, now we have to try to like, essentially bring all these elements together somehow because you know and just to give my take on it i think we're all in agreement that connor's going to fight again but which Mm -hmm. leads you to this question because as of now we have three of the biggest stars in the sport who don't seem like they're getting back in the cage anytime soon with mcgregor and jones and Mazadal. and like both of these gentlemen talked about mcgregor says it's because there's no interesting fights, Jones and Mazadal are fighting a different fight, a fight that every sport has had to deal with at different points throughout you know the the entirety of it. Jose let's start with you of these three gentlemen Conor McGregor, John Jones, and Jorge Mazadal who is the most likely to be the first one back competing in the Octagon and who is the least likely and why
0: uh, Ideally, and like just if you don't know anything about the sport, just the way you laid it out like two people arguing about money, one person arguing about competition, the competition one would probably be the most logical. But again, I don't think Connor's going to fight again until fans are allowed back in. So that's, I think he's the least likely because we don't, Connor can fight whenever he wants and it's going to be the biggest story in the world. Like, Masvidal and Jones need to keep fighting in order to stay relevant. Like, yes, Jorge Maswell has never been more relevant in the sport than he is right now, but if he doesn't fight. Like, if he can't take a two year sabbatical like Connor and then come back and be, still be the biggest star in the world and, and captivate audiences, same as John Jones. John Jones can't go away for two years and then come back and all of a sudden do a million pay per view buys. Connor can. So I think Connor and the UFC know that. So if Connor's going to, quote, retire and then fight the winner of Habib, Justin, or Tony in 2021, that would make a lot more sense. I think it's going to be Masvidal, Uh simply because John Jones and Dana, like we said last week, it's, it's round five between those two. This is no, this is nothing new. Like John and Dana's relationship has soured so much that it wouldn't surprise me if John took a lot of time off, uh, to, to, to figure this out. He also seems to be, uh, much more involved in this movement, in these protests going on. We've seen him on the streets of Albuquerque. So, uh, his situation might be a little more where he might be preoccupied with bigger things in the world than fighting, uh, uh, Rightfully so, I think he's he's saved like not saved face, but this is like he could do really he could do a lot of good for his his, his image if he's on the front lines in this Black Lives Matter mo- mo- uh, movement that he's uh, so invested in. Uh, Masvidal is is doing this thing where he's going on the Dan Levitard show like every other week and trying. It's like I'll train you when you fight Dana, and then Dana's feeding into it. Uh, plus, the welterweight division is so much more. There's so much more competition in that weight class than in, then in light heavyweight that I think Dana can book other fights that could get Masvidal back in there. I, so I, if I'm going to have, like, if he goes, well, fine, Gilbert Burns will fight, and then, then maybe that will lower Masvidal's asking price a little bit more. So I'm going to say Masvidal just, but that's based off of process by elimination rather than I think he wants to fight.
1: So Damon, Jose's going with, from most likely to least likely, Masvidal, Jones, McGregor. What's your list?
2: Well, so once again, we're going to be giving the same answer with different takes, but uh, I agree that it's going to be Masvidal Jones and Connor, but for slightly different reasons. Masvidal, I agree. It, listen, it comes down to opportunity, and, and and the reality is, Masvidal just became a household name in the last year. I mean, we got to be honest about that. He's been around forever, and he's a phenomenal fighter. What I I said years ago, I thought he was one of the most underrated guys in the sport, but he really didn't hit stardom until he you know, went out there and, you know, flatlined Ben Askren in five seconds, and then you had the Nate Diaz fight for the BMF title. He wasn't that household name. He wasn't a headliner at that point. He wasn't like a guy you put on pay-per-view and think you're going to get a lot of buys. An opportunity for him will fade away because, you know, uh, he doesn't have that long-term name value. He doesn't have a a title right now. Yes, he's a BMF champion, but as you said – Kamaru Usman goes out there and fights Gilbert Burns, then his title fight goes away. He goes out there and fights Leon Edwards. That goes away. So there's only a couple of options for Matadol to have a really big fight right now, and it's probably going to be Usman. He could still probably get a lot of shine off of an Edwards fight because of that rivalry from the past. Uh, and, and, and Connor, but again, Connor's in this mix. He's not going to get Connor. I don't think he's going to get Connor Or the Nate rematch, and we all know what Nate, <laughs> in terms of negotiations, goes. So Matadol's options. Off- are more limited uh and Jones I think eventually will come around because remember this whole thing with Jones started because he was going to heavyweight it wasn't because he didn't defend his light heavyweight title or because he didn't have challengers it's because he teased a fight with Francis Ngannou and when he went to the UFC and said let's make it happen and they didn't want to cater to his financial demands that's where this whole thing exploded so at some point Jones just to play out his contract and say I'm going to come back and I'm going to fight Dominic Reyes again, or I'm going to come back and fight Jan Blahovic again uh, and not make as much money because this is the contract I agreed to. So I think eventually cooler heads will prevail there as well. And also don't forget, Jones and Masvidal have the same manager. They're managed by first round management, Malky and Abe Kawa. So they have the same management team. So there's a good chance if one comes to terms, the other domino falls right behind it. Connor's issue isn't money, or at least publicly he's not saying it's money. Uh, but I think his is as as Jose said. It's the it's the crowd. I think that's one. I think Dana holding him back for the crowd and holding him back. Dana said last week the best thing for Connor was sitting and waiting for Gaethje or Khabib. Uh, he's not even trying to cash in on Connor right now. So obviously connor has got you know he can wait all the time in the world. He actually fought back in January. Mazadal, you know the time ticking away on his relevancy goes away when he doesn't have a big match or he doesn't have a fight. So I agree. It's going to end up being George Masardall, it's going to be Jones and it's going to be uh it's going to be Connor but for slightly different reasons than just all financial.
0: Right.
1: All right. Well, let's uh let's add some wrinkles to this, Damon. What percentage do you give that all three guys will fight in 2020?
2: All three guys fighting in 2020. Man. Uh whoo, right now I'd say 25% because I think Connor's the X factor. I think we will see Masvidal fight this year. I think there's a good chance we we'll see Jones fight this year, but I don't know about Connor because without crowds and if Habib and Gaethje go out there and put on a, I mean, no one walks into a fight with Justin Gaethje and walks out the same again. Uh, even if Habib wins that fight, uh, I don't think he's going to walk out the same again. So I don't think he would fight again in November, or December. So even if Connor got that title fight, I don't think it would be till January or February, anyways.
0: Jose, you higher or lower than twenty-five percent? Um, I'll say ten percent. And but again, Connor Connor is one if Connor doesn't fight for the next five years, it wouldn't surprise me. But if all of a sudden tomorrow Daniel's like, Yeah, Connor wants to fight in a month, that also wouldn't surprise me. Connor's one of those few fighters where he can he can call his shots of when he wants to fight. Uh, if he goes, I want to fight the number 15 guy in the world tomorrow, Like, would it make sense? No, but it wouldn't surprise me because he can call his shots. Uh, yeah, I'll say about 10%. I think uh, being man like Damon makes a good point with uh, the same manager with Masvidal and Jones. And uh, I think Masvidal will fight first, uh, but I'll say 10%, but I say that with a lot of questions in the air. I think Conor will probably fight. Well, I remember when he called for like, this will be my season. And then like that went out the window for a multitude of reasons, like a pandemic, uh, the protests and uh, this this interim fight that happened. So yeah, I'll say 10%. I think Conor will fight uh, again in the first quarter of 2021.
1: I do want to add one more thing to this because one of the things I saw on social media, especially with the McGregor thing was, you know, we're going to be seeing a lot more of this. Like this is the beginning of the fighters unionizing and forming an association. And we've been hearing about this forever. And I still don't believe it's ever going to happen at this point. But when we're recapping, (laughs) maybe not, uh, let's take the association and the unionizing out of it completely. But when we're recapping like the biggest stories of 2020, Jose, we'll start with you. Do you think we're going to be talking about a litany of UFC rostered fighters speaking out against the UFC? because some of the top guys have, or do you think it sort of ends where we're at right now with the Mazadals and the Joneses and nobody else is ready to do that? It's
0: never going to go away. People have been complaining about their pay for the UFC forever. I mean, even Randy Couture was like, release me from my contract. I want to go fight Fedor. And like that wasn't even money. That was like, you wanted a, a super crossover fight and the UFC wouldn't do it. So, it's always going it's always going to be prevalent. Everyone wants more money and the UFC is not willing to pay that much money, especially when boxing comes back and you see all these guys pulling in like $30 million for a fight. As soon as they announce fight purses, all the UFC fighters are like, "Oh, like look at that. Like they're making $30 million and I'm getting like a, a 16th of that." Like it's always going to be there and it's fighters like, "Do you remember when Nate was trying to hold out for more money?" For this, like a second or third Conor McGregor fight, and then he put Donald Cerrone on blast for accepting any fight because he goes, "You're the reason we're not getting paid what we should because you're willing to fight whenever." Like I like Donald Cerrone as a fighter. Like I like how I like that attitude. But it's it's Nate's not wrong. Like look at Gilbert Burns. Like Gilbert Burns will fight anyone anytime anywhere. If if Masvidal is trying to get this big contract situation out, and then Danny can just turn around and be like. Gilbert, you want to fight for the title? I'll give you an eighth of what Conor, of what Masvidal is fighting. And Gilbert's like, yeah, I'll fight anyone. I'll fight anyone. in middleweight, to middleweight to lightweight. I'll fight anyone. So like, it's 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 that's a reason fighters will never unionize. Uh, and it's it again, it's it. This will never stop. It's not going to end. Like throw Henry Cejudo in there. This like Henry Cejudo retired because he wanted the big money too. And even Sugar Sean was like, I want to get paid uh, what I'm worth because he's still on that Contender Series contract. Uh, and he's the, he's grossly, uh, like, like he's grossly past that. Like it was similar to when, when Roy Nelson was like, had like six fights in the UFC and he was still on his ultimate fighter contract that he won. So this will never, ever go away. As long as the UFC is not willing to pay fighters what, uh, their, their, the boxing is making. Damon, this is pretty typical.
1: Like, like we talked about, but do you feel like, especially now when we're in such a chaotic world that this might be the year that, You know, to use your analogy, that more of these dominoes start to fall here.
2: No, because ultimately what Jose said is absolutely right. And it's something we said privately in our in our group chat the other day is that, you know, as soon as the whole Masvidal thing came out, Gilbert Burns dropped his tweet and said, I'll take the fight. I'll take it right now. That's why there's always going to be somebody willing to take it and not necessarily care that they're not getting two or three million dollars. The only way this really changes, and I agree, also there's not going to be a union. It's just never going to happen in MMA because again, there's always going to be a guy willing to fight when another guy won't. Uh, the only thing this this entire story, the only thing that will ever really change it is if John Jones, you know, actually walks away for good because John Jones, in my opinion, is the greatest fighter of all time. If he really does walk away and retire, which again, I don't believe he's going to. Uh, and Conor McGregor walks away and retires and said, I am really am done, and this actually sticks, then it's a bigger story. Then dominoes could begin falling because you, you've now lost the greatest fighter of all time and the biggest, most marketable fighter of all time in one fell swoop. The reality is, though, I don't think either of them are done. I think John will come back, and I think if John gets a new deal and gets you know paid closer to what he thinks he's worth— and he's gonna say good things and i feel like i'm getting paid more what i'm worth and he'll fight and we'll move on connor will come back he'll fight the winner habib gates or maybe they do the diaz trilogy or something and then that goes away so these are all short-term problems that will go away as long as these guys all come back and fight and masvidal and i'm not insulting masvidal masvidal is phenomenal masvidal is a veteran masvidal deserves everything he's getting in terms of praise right now but he doesn't have a title and he doesn't have that kind of long-term star power to where if he walks away, the sport kind of falls apart. Uh so unfortunately he's kind of the outside, the guy on the outside looking in. But Jones and Connor, if they both actually retire, walk away done, and they don't come back, then it's then we're talking about more stuff. But they're not. I don't think either one of them are done, and they're gonna come back. And then all this just kind of goes away until the next unsatisfied guy raises a stink, and then that goes away. It's like, I'll, like I'll add something
0: like when Israel Adesanya was on the rise up, a lot of what I heard is, yeah, he's really popular now, but just wait until he gets in a fight with Dana. Like, it just seems like you get these big deal, like Uber prospects. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, just wait until like <laughs> it, it started when, when Israel Adesanya headlined again, against Anderson Silva, when it, they were supposed to be the co-main event before Whitaker and Gaslam fell out. And he's like, "Where did all those pay per view points go?" And I'm just like, "Oh, it's starting. He's starting to ask about his money. Like, this is where it begins." And now Sugar Sean, same thing. It's never going to go away. Like, say Connor and Jones retires, that will be a massive story. But then you have all these this new wave of prospects that come up and become champions. They're just going to ask the same questions these guys are asking. So it's it's never going to stop.
1: People were saying like throughout all this that you know how dare you not mention Henry Cejudo in this? And I understand that that argument for sure, but. The reason I didn't really lump Cejudo into this cluster is because I didn't buy any of it. Like, I understand that he might feel like he's underpaid and he's a guy on the rise, but I'd say he's more, he's become like more of a stock that you can buy because it's a future stock buy. I wouldn't say Henry Cejudo is like a must-watch, must-buy pay-per-view seller. So that's why I really didn't like lump him into this, into this equation. And he's already come out and
2: said that Alex Volkanovsky can get him right back in the octagon. So that's, well, that was another the, reason to God. The Cejudo thing, the Cejudo thing, two things about that one, when he retired and I talked to his coach, uh, Captain Eric uh, a few days after that, and he said, he thinks he's serious. And, and I, there is a part of me that believes Henry is more serious than, about retirement than obviously a guy like connor is but because henry is a guy who he did he won the gold medal youngest american at the time and he walked away now he did eventually try to come back but you know he pretty much said i'm done i'm gonna walk away from wrestling and i'm done uh and i and i believe he could be done right now he wants to start a family you know he he kind of you know did his thing he wanted to be the greatest combat sports athlete whatever of all time but as you mentioned mike the problem that that Henry has versus Connor versus Jorge versus Jones is that he's not that draw. And unfortunately Henry didn't stick around long enough or didn't have the kind of marquee fights to where people are saying, man, I can't wait to see Henry Cejudo fight. And unfortunately he doesn't have that drawing power. And when you don't have that drawing power, a lot of your leverage just goes away.
1: And the timing of that whole thing was crazy because right when I feel he was turning the corner, he retires like after the cruise win. I feel like people were buying in a little bit more. The timing of that is just unbelievable. But with that being said, point goes to our challenger, Damon Martin. We even things up going into round three. Moving ahead to our next question. Let's talk some fights. Let's talk with people who are actually fighting right now. UFC 250 is in the books. Amanda Nunes successfully defends her women's featherweight title. And I'll preface this again for those who are not paying attention to what we say. She became the first fighter in UFC history that has held two separate titles in two different weight classes at the same time to successfully defend both of those titles. So we've seen it in other ways, multiple fighters being champions in multiple divisions and having successful title defenses, but no one has done it at the same time. Amanda Nunes did, but there have been, she looked great. Bantamweight division was on fire. It was a great fight card from start to finish, in my opinion. There were a lot of great performances as well, and that's what we're going to spotlight here. Damon, we're going to start with you, a la the NHL.
2: Who are your three stars from UFC 250? Well, I'm going to go, you know, as much as I appreciate and admire what Amanda Nunes is doing and I don't want to feel like I'm taking away from her because her accomplishments have been amazing. But, you know, I don't think anyone, you know, outside of one person in our group picks actually thought that she was going to lose. So it's hard to, you know, just, Heat more praise on Amanda when you kind of expected her to go out and do what she did. So my three stars from UFC 250, I'm going to start with Aljamain Sterling. I'm going to go to Cody Garbrandt. And I'm going to go to Sugar Sean O'Malley, the three bantamweights, because they all shined great that night. Aljamain Sterling proved, A, he is the best bantamweight you know, contender in the world right now. And B, he also proved that the UFC is making a colossally bad decision by putting Jose Aldo in there against Peter Jan when you've got a guy in Aljamain Sterling who is now the clear-cut number one guy that now that Henderson Hudo's gone and Marlon Marias Mar- is kind of to the side right now. Marlon uh, Mariah, Mar- Mar- you could argue, is the number one guy outside of Cejudo, but he's not in this argument right now. Uh, Sterling should be in that title fight, and the UFC blew it by not putting him in there. Uh, And then Cody Garbrand, man, talk about a guy against, you know, back against the wall, three losses in a row, three knockouts in a row. He went from the future of the bantamweight division to a guy people were saying had no chin. uh, He was done 28 years old and people are saying he's done. Uh, He had to come out and have a big performance. And he had a tough opponent to do that against because Rafael Asuncao is a perennial contender, but I don't think anyone's going to argue that Rafael Asuncao is the most exciting guy in the history of the sport. And he went out there and, 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 absolutely flatlined him in the second round, one of the craziest knockouts in in recent memory at Bantamweight, where we typically don't see a ton of those kind of highlight reel knockouts. But we did see one earlier in the night with Sugar Sean O'Malley when he went out there and and took on a very real opponent. Eddie Wineland is a tough veteran. And to sleep him the way he did with that knockout and then the walk-off was just, Unbelievable! So to me, it was a bantamweight showcase from start to finish. We saw a new contender emerge. We saw a former champion return, and we saw maybe the future of the division all in one night. So, are
1: you ranking Aljo one, Cody two, O'Malley three? Yep, I'm going to go Aljo one,
2: uh,
0: Cody two. I'm going to go O'Malley three. Jose, what's yours? Well, if you're going to ask me who I thought Damon was going to pick, or not even Damon, anyone on planet Earth, it would probably be those three. So I prepared. Outside of those three. I, knew, I, that's knew. What, I, I that's knew that's why Dane Dan was going to pick. Uh, I'm not going to rank these uh, by any means because it's hard to rank where, why I'm picking them because no one is more important. But I'll start uh, near the top, uh, the higher up on the card. Uh, Ian Hynish was on a two-fight losing streak. We all know, you lose three in a row in the UFC, you're probably not going to be in the UFC on your next fight. Ian Heinrich uh, I interviewed him at UFC 241 when, before he was going to fight Derek Brunson, and he was talking like, I'm going to beat Derek Brunson, and then I'm going to fight Jacare, and then I'm going to fight Kelvin Gaslam, and then I'm going to get a title shot. Obviously, it didn't work out for him. Uh, he changes camps, uh, then the pandemic hits, and then he has to move back to Colorado. Doesn't get to go to his old gym because it's awkward. Uh, he goes out there. He was a plus 850. It was plus 850. 50 for Ian Hines to get a first round finish. And he goes out there and just tears through Gerald Mearschard, who was coming off uh, one of the biggest wins of career and drawn win has some of them has what, like 20 plus submissions in his career, uh, best sax phonist in MMA. So uh, I think we're all in agreement that Gerald Mearschard stock had not really been higher uh, than it really is now. And I know it's like, there are levels to that, like stock, but Gerald Mearschard was at least people knew who he was and Ian Hines saved his job. Got someone a lot of money uh, and then had the, one of the lines of the night where he goes, quarantine is nothing for me. I'm used to being locked up because he was, of course, in a foreign jail for two and a half years. So Sage's career. Great line. Got someone a boatload of money. Um, and then this is why I'm not on these right now. Cody Stamen, that the mental fortitude of that man what is is something else like goes out there takes a fight like a week after his younger brother passes away uh fights brian Kellher. and then as soon as the fight's over he just like in a world where we're trying like, like Israel sign says it's the best like let's abolish like toxic masculinity Cody Staman just was not afraid to cry. Professional fighter in there crying over the pa- like the passing of his brother. None of All of us would have been in that same boat. And Cody Stamen was like, I tried to be the tough guy, like the no BS, go on there, handle my business and leave. And he just couldn't. And uh, Brian Callher gave him a hug and he just broke down. And then again, line one of the lines of the night, he's like, someone asked him, like, who, who do you want to see next? And this and that. He goes, man, I got to go home and go to a funeral right now. Like, I'm not thinking of another fight and i'm just like god like it just all this talk of money and unions and titles like it just puts it into perspective like as a fighter like cody Stamen, one of the biggest wins of his career and he just goes you know what it's not important right now i gotta go to a funeral and that was like i was like man like what is even what matters in this world outside of family and he lost that uh and then for the the third slot it's I'm going to group these together because of – not for their performances, but Devin Clark and Asuka Serres, two African-American fighters using their platform that they have to push uh, a movement that they are behind. Of course, Devin Clark, we didn't get to talk to him after because his eye blew up. I'm pretty sure he broke his orbital During the introductions, gets down on one knee and raised his fist. Uh, to support the Black Lives Matter movement. And then, of course, Oxfair is walking out to This Is America. And he was so transparent all week for that for for the racism that he's felt uh, throughout his life. And he even had a quote where it was like, we can't start begging people that are coming into our neighborhood and beating us over their heads to change. We have to be the ones to change. I have to be a voice. So I'm not putting those two together in terms of their performances because both of their performances are drastically different. But the fact that they use their platform to push – to 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 talk about a movement that is really captivating the world outside of fighting, those two. So those those three performances uh, really really stick out in my mind outside of the obvious ones that Dana uh, Damon uh, mentioned.
2: And let me, if I could, real quick, let me just throw in there. And a phenomenal point, Jose. I want to throw in. Let's also mention Aljamain Sterling. He yeah. mentioned that you know he talked about it. I asked him that question on the on the media day, and he talked about you know using his platform for that and using his platform to speak out. And felt like it was important for him to you know, take that opportunity to speak about black lives matter and right. police brutality and things like that. So I want to give a shout out to Aljamain because he did as well. He didn't afterwards, obviously, you know, I'm not going to fault him for that, but, but, uh, but I think it was important. Well, he did actually. Post-
0: yeah. I, I asked said, him, I, I asked him straight up, like, will you be at the protest? He goes, yup. And he's like, and then he went really into it. And then he, he made some excellent points. Even Alex Caceres, I, someone like I, we asked Sterling and Caceres, like does the UFC do a good job promoting minorities? like just straight up and they both gave a little they didn't really answer straight up but they just kind of like upstairs like that is a whole nother conversation (laughs) i know he's like i know who they want to push when i see them and i know who i am And even alice caceres i mean ultimately goes i don't really look at it as black versus white but like you kind of tell there was something back there uh because he kind of brought it up in the past with the one he was like why is Sage drug cut making more money than me um so, yeah, I think uh, – and even, like, Devin Clark was on, like, the front page of, like, CNN and Yahoo just for the fact that he kneeled. So when's the last time Major Alice talks about Devin Clark outside of MMA, the circle? Like, never. And I I say that because Devin Clark is a great fighter uh, and he put on a good performance, a gritty performance. But we're talking about him using his platform, not his actual fight. So – Shout out to all those guys using using their platform the right way.
2: I, I'm not even I'm not even standing. I'm just telling you, Mike. Give him the point because that was a great point. Because I can't even that when you look at the bigger picture outside of fighting, that is the bigger picture, and it really is. And uh, and what those guys did, you're absolutely 100 percent, man. That was huge. What Aljamain did speaking out was huge. Uh, you know, it's so nice to have this distraction for fighting. I love it. You know, it was nice to kind of wander away from everything going on in the world for a few hours. But, you know, as somebody who, you know, who's who's watched this unfold and, and seen, I actually just drove into downtown Columbus over the weekend and saw everything going on down there. And, man, I'm just, you know, I'm proud people are standing up, and and I was happy to see those guys do it. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, it's bigger than the sport, and and I just I applaud them for doing what they did.
0: And you can tell a lot of them are relieved to finally be able to talk about it because I was going through a lot of their social medias, and you a lot of them, actually almost all of them were not talking about it before the fight because they were in camp. As soon as camp's over, they know what's important and that's exactly where their mind goes. So it was, it was in, it was interesting to see like the relief in their face that they can finally express what they want now that they're not in camp.
1: Sure. I agree. Well, well said, Jose, you are going to get the, point. um, and a shout out to Devin Clark's dad, who was the best corner. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. I was waiting for that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was, he, he's he, he would make my top three stars list, no doubt about it, just for his corner work and how motivating he is. But uh, I agree. I mean, obviously, performance wise, I agree with Damon. The Bantamweights shined. I actually have. I would have Cody Garbrand as my number one. Not 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 taking anything away from Sterling because that was an incredible win, or O'Malley's knockout because that was impressive as well. But you know what Cody did to bounce back against a a really hard guy to bounce back against the way he approached the fight, he still got some hurdles, you know, he he got it, especially in that second round, the dog almost came out of him, but he was able to kind of keep it together that the Garbrandt 2.0 story has become one of the more fascinating stories to watch, in my opinion, to see if he can keep this train moving forward. But uh, again, lots of great performances, lots of great messages sent throughout the night. Mm -hmm. Um, So well said, Jose, you get the point as we head to our Final question of regulation, we look ahead to UFC Fight Night, I versus Calvillo, and and what is it, UFC on ESPN 10, is that what we're going with here? Something like that. So regardless, Jessica I versus Cynthia Calvillo is the main (laughs) event, and listen, I am well aware that this is not the flashiest main event of all time, and a lot of people have their reasoning for disagreeing with it, and that's totally fine. But I don't think this card from top to bottom is that bad. Like, we were talking about it off air a little bit. Also, let's keep in mind that UFC 250 was not looked at in a very positive light for a long time. And it turned out to be a great card. So I like to go in positively thinking about all these cards. But it leads me to the question, Jose Youngs. Dana White has said this many times. We're in the middle of a pandemic. The UFC is trying to put fights on. It's crazy. It's effing bananas. If you try to walk in my shoes, you wouldn't know what to do with it. With that in mind, and everything else going on in the world, and what Dana says, is the criticism of the UFC and this fight card and other fight cards like 250, is it fair? Are are people being too hard on them, or is this completely justified in your opinion? Well,
0: I don't know what's fair and what's not fair because people can have their own opinions <laughs> however they want. Because like, as much as we people decry the man of Ben between I and Cal Field, like they had like there's you know like there's people out there. That are massive Jess Guy fans or massive Cynthia Calvillo fans. So for them, they're probably, they're loving this. I mean, who was Kalan uh, Chukakin, uh, who's in this weight class, who at, out of all of us, like we're just journalists and fans there, an actual fighter in this weight class who is just fought a no-more contender or just fought for a title and is still technically like the highest ranked female is like, I love it. It brings eyes to the weight class. So uh, it's not in terms of like they, they both coming off a missed weight. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo hasn't fought a flyweight in the UFC Just guy didn't have the Most stellar performance in her last fight But a win is a win uh, Cynthia Calvillo is also coming off a draw uh, Let's not forget that So I, I get it People might be upset But I know there's people out there that want to watch the fight And what do you want these two women to do? Say no? Just be like no I don't want to headline a card Like that's ridiculous like, like in the grand scheme of things I would have liked seeing Sterling and Sanhagen In that main event but they just showed like they don't need they don't need five rounds. And I think Sterling winning winning on a massive card like UFC 250 actually is been more beneficial for him than headlining a card that not as many people are going to watch. So um, I don't know. I don't really care that it's the main event. It doesn't bother me. I get people will be bothered, but it's it. If fighters don't care, then I don't really see why I have why I should be upset. Damon, what do you think?
2: Well, I mean, in terms of tension and excitement, is there going to be as much, uh, you know, excitement? No, I think this is going to be right after the main event got announced. Sorry, this is the, this is, this is the on truck. Opening the first
0: Damon, 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 you, get up. Damon uh, you have to crawl out of that tin can you're in? This is the truck shaking. <laughs> Are you inside a microwave right now? What, um, Damon Martin? Do we lose him? know uh, Can
2: you hear him? Now? You hear him now? Okay. Try again?
0: I can't hear him at all.
2: Can you talk, Damon? Yep. Can you hear me? Can right, there, you hear me we, okay? there we go. There we go. All right. Sorry, Mike. Set him up one more time.
1: All right. Damon,
2: defend your answer. <laughs> Well, I mean, listen, is Jess Guy versus Cynthia Cavillo the most exciting main event in the history of the sport? Absolutely not. not. But here's the thing. You know, these divisions, these lesser-talked-about divisions are never going to get a chance to shine if these fights don't get marquee spots like this. I mean, I remember when I think it was Caitlin Chukage was fighting JoJo Calderwood, and they were the opening fight of the early prelims, and I think that's the fight that got Caitlin the title shot. Uh, and then she goes on and fights Valentina Shevchenko, who is the one, you know, quote unquote marketable fighter in this division because obviously Valentina Shevchenko is a complete badass. Uh, but I just don't know how you're ever going to get a chance for these divisions to shine if you never give them a chance to have these kind of moments. I mean, I know the ratings aren't probably going to be great on this card. And I know the attention being paid isn't going to be anywhere near UFC 250 or, you know, Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker or, you know, whatever fights are coming up in July. But, you know, it's the fight card, and there are other interesting fights on here. I mean, I'm actually really looking forward to the Marvin uh, Vittori-Carl Roberson fight after the rivalry those two have built after the last fight got scrapped. So, you know, listen, we kind of get spoiled a little bit in in MMA where we have these great cards in the UFC where we always expect a big main event or a marquee main event, but the reality is, you know, you remember the old UFC on fuel cards or UFC on versus cards or – Look at a lot of Bellator cards out there. They're not always these cards where it's over and you're just like, man, we just found out a new number one contender. Oh, man, we just found, you know, the next great star or whatever. Listen, this isn't the greatest main event in the world, but that doesn't mean it can't be enjoyable. It doesn't mean we won't see some fun fights and it won't mean that, you know, maybe Cynthia Calvillo comes out and gets a win and right away, we actually have a new challenger for Valentina Shevchenko or, you know, just Guy goes out there and beats another top-ranked fighter and continues her climb back to Valentina Shevchenko. This division, the flyweight division is never going to get a chance to get people interested outside of Valentina if they don't have fights like this where they are getting a headline or a co-headline spot. So,
0: Damon, what I, I, you, I, hold, on. hold on. I would like bad. to add, Alan Chukage and beat Jennifer Maya after Calderwood to get the title shot. There you go. Well, but that
2: was made. the opening fight. That was the opening fight of the early prelims, right? Like, that was the opening the, fight.
0: Calder, the Calderwood-Chukagin, yeah, that was 238. That was real early. And then she got offered the fight against Valentina, turned it down to get married. Valentina fought Carmouche instead. Calderwood-Chukagin fought Jennifer I, and then fought, then, then re, basically reclaimed her number one contender spot.
2: Yeah. Jennifer Mye. So, yeah, but those fights are, like I said, those fights were buried. And, that, and that's the thing. People always complain when they're buried. They're like, I can't I believe, like, what was it last week? Tim Elliott. Wasn't he on the prelims last week? Everyone's like, I can't believe they're on Alex the prelims. Paredes.
0: Paredes and like, and
2: I'm, on the, I'm on the – how is this happening? I can't believe this is on the prelim. But then when they you get a marquee spot, why is this the main event? Oh, my <laughs> God, this is terrible.
1: I agree with that. Damon, what are you grading this card as a whole? If you could put a letter grade on it as it looks on paper right now, what are you grading it?
2: oh man why are you doing me like this uh, I'm, mean, you in your, I'm making you defend your answer here i mean am i lying and saying it's better than a c minus card on paper probably not and that's not a knock on the main event necessarily as much as it's just there's not a lot of name value beyond a couple of fights on this card and that hurts it uh but again and i don't want to sound like the dana white promoter but you know sometimes you judge a card by the aftermath and there are some potentially fun fights on here. Uh, they're just not name value. And so that immediately makes it like a C minus or a D card on paper. Uh, but, you know, here's a chance for Calvillo and I, and all these other, you know, rovers, and Roberson, this a chance for them to shine and prove us all wrong.
1: Exactly. Jose, what's your grade?
0: <laughs> C minus. That seems fine. It's like, again, like for all we know, this could just be a bunch of knockouts. And we're like, wow, that was the craziest fight card I've ever seen. But like, so name, just off name value, I think what? Who's the most famous fighter on this card? Andre Feely, probably, just because he's, he's in a movie. He has that title, Uriah Faber. <laughs> and then I I fought like, Andre Feely's probably the most famous fighter on this card. Uh, C-minus. But again, like, who cares if there's big names on it? It's how, like, what? UFC 169, I was that. That had a bunch of big fights on that card. And that was, like, what, 10 of 12 were boring decisions. So who, it doesn't matter. Names are it's i want to see how the fights play out first because yeah what about what is it insanity.
2: we had we had we had ufc the ufc card that was titled ufc knockout with everyone on there the <laughs> uh, knockout yeah, yeah, yeah. there wasn't one knockout on the entire card so you can't <laughs> predict how things are going to play name value name value doesn't always produce winning fights we got to be honest and about that
0: let's also like we can all probably agree that if there were still fans allowed and there wasn't a pandemic i can't imagine Jessica Calvia would be headlining a card in like Portland, Oregon. If their fans are if the fans are going to be in there. This is a this is a UFC Apex card that you can tune in if you want. You don't even have to pay for it. Just watch it if you want. Don't watch it if you don't want. Like at the end, like you're not selling you buy you're buying a
2: ticket to it anyway. Yeah, and that's the other, that's the other thing about the complaints. You know, you're not required to watch every fight card. I mean, we do. We obviously as journalists we watch every fight card. I mean, I've watched Man, I've watched a lot of bad fight cards over the years, and I, a lot of bad fight cards. And I'm not going to name names which promotions they came from, but I've watched a lot of bad fight cards over the years. So uh, you're not obligated. No one's telling you you're forced, to, and they're not asking you to pay fifty nine ninety nine or sixty five dollars or whatever for this card. I mean, yeah, if you have cable, technically you're paying for ESPN, or if you pay five bucks a month for you know, I've been paying seven bucks a month for Disney Plus for the last. Whatever, like nine months. And I had the only thing I've watched on there is The Mandalorian. And that ended like, you know, since seven months ago. So I'm still paying for Disney Plus and I'm getting nothing out of it right now.
0: Do <laughs> you mean uh, you're not watching Gargoyles like any other true
2: blooded American? I am not. I am not. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm paying for Disney Plus and I haven't logged into that thing. I love Disney Plus. If I want to watch a Star Wars movie, I'll go there. But yeah, I'm paying for that. And I haven't watched anything since The Mandalorian ended. <laughs>
1: Well, the point goes to Damon because he wasted all this money on Disney Plus without watching anything. But uh, we're tied. Uh, we're tied after four rounds. It's two to two, and that means we're going to head to the. What are we going to call it? We'll, we'll call it the knockout round. It's MMA after all. One question, one argument decides the winner. The truck will have the final decision to take the weight off of me because I don't want it. But here it is, Jose. You are the champion. With that comes some spoils. Are you kicking off or receiving?
0: Oh, kicking off. I'm from New England.
1: There you go. Damon, here's the question because I I heard in your voice how excited you are for this card on Saturday night because there are some pretty good matchups on here. So, the question I have for you and it's hard to predict the future. What's the fight of the night on UFC Vegas Baby Vegas?
2: that is an interesting question you know honestly the one i'm really looking forward to just because of the bad blood at the end of the day is i'm really looking forward to to marvin vittori and and carl roberson now again two guys who dislike each other and there's a lot of bad blood there especially after what happened when their last fight got canceled doesn't always again produce a great fight there could be a lot of a, a lot of a lot of posturing in a fight like that because you know, not, neither guy wants to give an inch, but Marvin Vittori is a very underrated middleweight and he's a very fun guy to watch and, and I think Carl Roberson is one of those guys who has that big knockout ability has shown some ground talent as well, so I mean, just based on that, I'm going to have to go with that as my fight of the night, the one I'm probably looking most forward to, so I would put that at the top of the list but uh, I'm also looking forward to seeing you know, Kevin Aguilar's back on this card, obviously you mentioned Andre Feely's on this card, that's a fun fight, uh, Jordan Espinosa Mark De La Rosa is a fun fight, but if I gotta pick one, I'm going with uh going with the bad blood between Vittori and Roberson. Jose,
1: what is your fight of the night for ES- UFC on ESPN 10? Yes.
0: Yes. For fight of the night? What's mm. your fight of the night? I mean, money would probably be Andre Feely, because I can't even remember a bad fight he's in. Like even fights that like he pulls off decisions there, at least they're 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 fun fights to watch i mean even the fight against miles jury might not have like people doesn't stick out of my in your mind but like i remember like i, I watched look at the photos of esther lynn and like everyone is like just like people throwing and then like a trail of blood like like in the air following their fists or uh, or even it's like i think a super underrated fight that happened that not enough people talk about was feely's fight against max holloway uh, i think ufc 172 i love that fight uh andre feely said last year that he wanted to be champion and then he lost, and now he's. On, and then we had him on the A side promoting his movie, and he's like, "Has a whole new lease on life." Uh, he wants to to get back in there immediately, especially the one forty five, so the champion can't fight. It's similar to what Paul Felder, I think. Uh, did he tell? Was it you that he said that to? Where he's like, "American based fighters can really like skip the line, maybe because they they, they can fight more often." With the champion uh, being in Australia, uh, these featherweight fights be more important than ever before. So if I'm looking. Add a fight if I'm gonna put money on it, it'll be Andre Feely because he's never in a really boring fight. Espinosa Rosa is fun if you like sub- grappling because like they both have what like most of their by submission. Um, selfishly, I love watching Hannah Cypher's fights just because I always want to interview her because she's just the best interview in the world, <laughs> even though she says like five words total. Um, so I'll say my money is gonna have to be on Feely simply because I can't ima- remember a fight where the post-fight photos aren't either bloody or him, like, jumping into the crowd at sheer jubilation. So I'll say the Andre Feely, the Andre Feely fight.
2: And, and I'll throw in one more sleeper to keep it out on the prelims. Ryan Benoit and Tyson, yeah. that's going to yeah, be a, really fun be a fight too. I mean,
0: there's a, like, even uh, the Marab ray Borg fight is, like, that's a good fight, but I think Marab's just going to toss him around. Like, I don't think that's going to be a back-and-forth war. So there are going to be a lot of good performances, but if we're talking about just, like, a good fight, the feely charles Jourdain fight, and then, like, I like Julia, Julia Vila. Like, I'm really interested in that fight. And the Charles Rosa fight, I'm really interested in that fight. But I don't think they're going to be fight of the nights. I think they're going to be good performances. So the Feely fight is the one. And then, like, Robertson-Vittori, I think someone's just going to go to bed in, like, the first round. Someone's turning into a human floor mat. So I don't know if that's going to be a good fight as much as someone someone's dying in that fight real quick. See, we're selling the card for you. How about that? We got to go to the, the trip. main event.
1: Yeah, none of them. The Co. <laughs> 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 Feely Jourdain's a great fight. I love the Rosa Aguilar fight, though. That's a good one. Even a uh, couple of newcomers with with nothing to lose, really, with Anthony Ivy and and Christian Aguilera. That should be uh, a lot of I, fun. I'm Ivy's a really, finisher,
0: man. I'm excited for the Christian. I've watched Christian Aguilera's fights live on like the LFA scene so much and because he, he fights in the arizona cards a lot and it's always like if i win this fight i'm going to the ufc and then he always comes up just short so so like those fights like the Aguilar like the aguilar fight and the uh the mirab fight and everything they're gonna like they're even the uh julia vila fight like they're gonna be good fights they're not gonna be wars i think it's gonna be uh like quick finishes or like grind him out wars to to, to save people's jobs or uh, pick up their first wins or uh, even just pure domination or so i don't think I, if, so if i'm looking at like a good fight it's the andre feeling
1: Felix jardine jardine's a good one there's a lot of 100%. there's a lot of good fights on this card ivy aguilera is an interesting one and if i'm Murad rob Willie i'm making this fight competitive because i think he's gonna have a hard time Finding guys to fight him because he's probably going to be in the top fifteen. But with that said, we got to go to the truck. We got to go to the the voice behind the scenes. And if you could hear this voice as the show is being recorded, you would be dying right now. But uh, he is the man of the people, and he is the man with the second best mustache in MMA media, Mr. Casey Lyde and Mr. Truck, sir. Who gets the the final point in the title? Well,
0: today's winner is because there were less technical difficulties with him and i have now pulled my hair out and i now my scalp looks just like you my kek <laughs> our winner today is mr jose youngs
1: wow and still the so Between the league's champion, if you guys even realized
0: how long this episode has taken to I together. I hope people that watch this know how much effort we put into this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're, like, we're approaching hour number three right now, people.
2: I should be more upset that I just lost but in a way. I'm just like, let him have it. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's a damn if you get it's the like 20 seconds it's like out at this you're, point. You're, you're, you've been you've been in this grueling,
0: grind out fight for four and a half rounds. And you're just like, I'm tired. Just choke me out. <laughs> you know, but, but, but honestly, he heard yeah. when we came back, and then, like, he
1: almost started breaking up again. I was like, you cannot do this to me right now. You cannot do this to me. But with that, Jose, before this whole system crashes, 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, and different in the world of MMA. The floor is yours.
0: Man, I'm just just—I'm going to reiterate what I said when we were talking about Stars of the Night. I am just so happy to see people using their platform. Uh, so yes, the, everyone wants more money. Everyone uh, and all this union talk and fighters coming together. But the fact of the matter is what's going on in the world right now uh, is so much more important. And yes, the UFC is the only sport in town right now. And they do give us some sort of distraction. But fighters uh, like Devin Clark, Alex Serres, and Al Sterling using what the platform they have, to push a movement that they are not only behind but are living day to day like kudos to you guys uh for 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 understanding that there are bigger things going on in the world uh and 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 that is truly what is what 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 matters right now so i'll say that normally i like to throw a lot of shade at the people that have lost and call people out and this and that but damon has gone through enough grief right now with his technical issues uh and like i said there are more important things going on in the world so so i don't have a call out because I don't know who else can even give me a challenge. So you find you find the opponent and they can they can go 0-1 on this iteration of between the links. Wow, it's like John Cena as the US champion. Open call out. Who
1: wants it? I love it. Well done. Well said, Jose. Congratulations to you. Valiant effort. Great performance from Damon Martin. And we're done. The matchups are gonna continue. There's a lot of members of the MMA media, I will say, Jose, that want in on this. And not just from MMA fighting, but beyond MMA fighting. And we're going to try to get a bunch of names and different faces on this program. But uh big thank you to Casey Lyden in the truck. Don't pull out all of that hair and keep the mustache right where it is. Big thank you to Esther Lynn behind the scenes. She's kind of the calming voice as all of this cra- craziness is going down. But for Jose Youngs and Damon Martin, I am Mike Heck. Thank you all for watching and listening. We'll see you back here next week on Between the Links. Good night, everybody.
0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.